G'day. How are you going? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Extra Healthy-ish. As you probably already know, this is the big sister podcast to Healthy-ish. Both podcasts are from Body and Soul with myself, Felicity Harley. Now, today I've got a harrowing and heartbreaking but inspiring guest on. Her name is Jane Elliott. She is a Brisbane-based designer and founder of Brighter Day. Now, she was diagnosed with melanoma at the heartbreaking age of just 24. She is in her late 30s now and living with stage four cancer. She's on a mission to change the fashion game for those going through chemotherapy and she's going to tell us all about it today. Jane, thank you for coming on Extra Healthy-ish. Now, how do you stay Extra Healthy-ish? Well, how are you staying Extra Healthy-ish today? Today, I'm going to make sure I drink lots of water. I'm going to go for a walk with my dog. It's a really nice day outside. Um, And I'm going to spend a little bit of time doing Reformer Pilates. Um, I'm not quite up to the stage of doing like a big class or anything, but I do about 10 minutes at home. Oh, well, that sounds like the perfect Healthy-ish day. Now, let's go back to the beginning when you first found out you had melanoma. Can you tell us about this, perhaps your sig- symptoms and the diagnosis and, and yeah, where you were at at the time? Sure. So I was 23. I just moved to Melbourne from Canberra and I was starting to be a hairdresser. And so I had a mole that was on my finger for a long time, probably most of my life. And it was actually kind of in the way. So when I was learning how to cut, it was awkwardly in the way. So I had been to a couple of different doctors to say to them, you know, I'm worried about this. It's changed. It's itchy. Um, You know, what do you think? And they'd all said, you know, looks fine. Don't worry about it. And eventually I got to the point where I just said to um, a different doctor, I'm sick of it, cut it out. And that was fine. And they were fine with that. Um, Even they actually said at the time, it looks fine, but yes, we'll cut it out. No problem. Um, not very long after that, a couple of days, and it came back. Um, they tested it and it came back as melanoma, and I was straight away up to Peter Mac Hospital and to do further tests, which they determined that it had actually already spread to the lymph nodes in my underarm, oh, wow. which means I was diagnosed as stage three. Especially rocking your entire world at, at 23. I mean, it's not what you expect. You've got, you're thinking you've got your whole life ahead of you. And then to hear this when you're 23 must have just been awful. Yeah. And I'd actually, I had actually just completed hairdressing. So I was um, ready to sort of start this new career. And, you know, I was 23. So I was having a great time. And all of a sudden I'm in hospital. So I actually had two surgeries at the time and then was monitored for the rest of the time at Peter Mac, which was about five years. Um, after that, there wasn't really much, you know, I didn't. I just had to keep a lookout for my lymph nodes, make sure nothing was swollen or anything. And it actually happened, which was 11 years post the original diagnosis where I did have a swollen lymph node under my arm. And I knew immediately what it was. Um, So I had to go down the route of calling my dermatologist, making sure I could get in straight away. I had to sort of push back against, you know, medical, lots of medical people saying, oh, we can't fit you in for three months, you know, and I knew. You know these things, don't you? In your your gut, you know. Yeah. You really need to trust what you know. And a lot of the time medical, um, you know, stuff, they're just going against stats really. So when you know, you've just got to push back. 
So I did and my dermatologist was great. He referred me straight back to the hospital and then I was in for a lot more scans, surgery, and then eventually I received a stage four diagnosis because it had already spread to my lung. So you are living with stage four today. How... How how are you? How are you coping? How's your mental health? Yeah, I'm doing okay now, but it has been really, really tough. So I would say the first three years for me were an extreme rollercoaster of all kinds of things. At some point, you're just trying to survive. Um, other points, you're just in so much pain that you just can't kind of imagine, you know, functioning. It, it's just literally getting through one day at a time. Um Mental health-wise, I definitely um, saw a psychologist through the time that I was at the hospital in Peter Mac, and that was very helpful. And I also had the support of a social worker as well as a really good network of friends. It was tough. It was definitely tough. But today, doing a lot better. Um, I'm now living in sunny Brisbane, so I think that the weather helps me a little bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I've got a really good, <laughs> yeah. And I've got a really good group of friends that are here in Brisbane, but also still in Melbourne. So we keep in touch via text and I've got a good network. So that really helps. I think that surrounds yourself with those people, right? And what about your scar? Do you have a scar where your port's gone through? Is that where you're, yeah. And how how do you feel about this and, and you know, the changes to your body and everything going through? Because I know cancer treatment can obviously put your body through the ringer. Yeah, it, it definitely can. I have a lot of scars. Um, I have a scar from the original melanoma that was removed and a graft. I've got four other moles that have been removed. I've also had a tumour removed from my breast tissue, which is melanoma, not breast cancer. But I do have a scar from my port and it's also quite a defined outline of what the port looks like. If you can imagine, it's probably about the size of a 10 cent piece, but it's raised. So when you look at somebody with a port, you can see it. And for the first probably year, I really didn't want to wear any clothing that showed it because everybody looks at it. They kind of ask you like, well, that's weird. What's that? Um, so it did take time, but now I'm fine with it. Um, the scar has lightened, so it's a little bit less obvious. Um, but I'm happy to explain what it is now because I really want people to sort of understand that that's something a lot of people go through and they need. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, the light bulb moment you had when you came up with the idea that, hang on, I can't wear the normal clothing. I need special clothing for this port. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So because of the location, it's just, if you can imagine, just below the collarbone in your chest to the one side. And I generally like to wear T-shirts. And what I was finding is I was ruining all of them because I had to stretch the neckline all the way down so that the nurse had space to access it and a sterile field. And the only other alternative was to take my top off. And I didn't want to do that. And I was always cold. And so all I did was um, I got my mum to help me and we put a zip in a T-shirt down the side and meant that I could just open it. There was heaps of space and the nurses, they just loved it because there was it was just perfect for them. It gave them room to work and they could see that I was comfortable. So I actually had searched online for quite a while to find um, something that was already like this and I couldn't and especially in Australia there's nothing really available specifically for this uh, purpose so yeah it took me a little while but now that I'm feeling well I really wanted to start developing it for um, the audience here in Australia. We'll be back after this short break with more from Jane. 
I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, we feel so helpless if a friend's diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I know um, personally, you know, one of my good friends was diagnosed with breast cancer and I just wasn't sure what to do. How can we obviously buy one of your tops, but also help, (laughs) which I wish were around when Gabby went through it. But what are, um, you know, a few things, what, how do we, what's the best, how can we be the best support to a friend? Yeah. Yeah. The feeling of being helpless is just rough. It's really hard. It's uncomfortable. We don't really, we're not used to it. So we always want to fix something. Um, From experience of the other side, what I can say is the best thing is to be there and listen whenever they need someone to chat. Sometimes they just want events. So that can be one of the most helpful things. But in terms of practical things like day to day, help them with things like driving them to an appointment or offer to come with them. They might need company. They might want someone different to come with them um, just to see what they're going through. Um, You could prepare some meals for them. I know food is always often, you know, that's an act of love a lot of the time and that can really help. Just means there's always stuff there. If they need help with childcare, if they need someone picking up from school, if they need that, it's that day to day stuff that really, um, you know, maybe after the first couple of weeks, all of the help kind of dwindles away, that doesn't go away. So that's what I can really recommend is just check in every now and then, ask, can I pick you up from your appointment? Do you need any meds picked up? Anything like that. What was something that someone did for you that perhaps or has done for you that's had the biggest impact or, you know, one thing that a friend's done that you think, right, that that's great? I do have something that is, I know she changed my life and it's I was in a very vulnerable situation where I actually didn't have somewhere to live at one point and I was very unwell and my family doesn't live in Melbourne that's where I was at the time and she said come and live with me and it was an open-ended offer you know for me I was like oh it might be just a few weeks but I actually was there for six months oh wow and yeah and I know that that was a big undertaking and but I know for sure that that saved my life and so I would never expect anyone to sort of reach out and say that that's what they can do for a friend but but like for our relationship I know that I would do the same for her and so I'm super grateful for her because that was definitely a period where I needed that support. And maybe that you know the the tangible advice out of that is just you know just tune into what they might want or think about if you're in that situation, what would help me? Okay, would it be X? Would it be Y? And and just and do it rather than think about yes. doing it, actually do yeah. it. Yeah, and sometimes just showing up without even needing to ask. A lot of the time I've heard from people who are going through this is that they're already making 101 decisions every day. They don't want someone to come up and say, what do you need or how can I help? Just sometimes just show up. You know, anything sometimes is better than nothing. Um, that that can sometimes just be a relief and, and a weight off. Actually, I hear that for people going through grief as well. Just do it. Don't ask me. Just do it. I can't think about that that right now. And how is your health today? Where what's your prognosis and and where are you at? 
it's not too bad. Uh, so I am technically still stage four. Um, there is no cure for metastatic melanoma. So essentially I will I will be living with cancer. Um, but I have my recent most recent scan has no evidence of cancer. So that was such a oh, relief. Oh, well done. And that's, that's so the good. First one. I know it's the first one in such a long time. So um, that was a big, big relief. So it's great news. The treatment that I'm currently receiving is immunotherapy and it's working, which is nice. <laughs> um, I receive treatment once every four weeks. I go into the hospital for a day-ish and um, receive that treatment and I'm kind of free for the rest of the month, I suppose. <laughs> the other daily sort of things I have to manage are like fatigue and brain fog and um, just general sort of kind of chronic pain, unfortunately. But I find ways that I can manage it and a little bit of exercise helps. And yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> what, are your, what are some learnings or some lessons or some advice you'd like to pass on to listeners? I mean, you've had a harrowing journey in many ways. What, yeah, give us some wisdom. Something that I think is really important is um, advocating for your own body and for your for yourself. In any medical situation, um, it's really difficult, but it's very important that you can advocate for yourself and or or someone that you're caring for. Um, that's actually been one of the most challenging things for me as a patient is I had to learn that over and over and over again. But like we said earlier, if you've got a gut feeling that something's not right, you have to speak up and you have to keep pushing until you get the answer or the outcome. Um, it's challenging, but it's really important. Really important. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Actually, we had a doctor on recently who was he's he wants to change the health system and bring more heart into it. And he actually said that he said, jump on Google, do all your research, come armed, you know, with with the knowledge, and just show up and say, no, this isn't right. I want you know, demand more, and always get a second opinion. And definitely, definitely educate yourself because I think going in blind is is risky. Um, and if you don't understand the things that are happening to you or the things that they want to provide for you, you can't always make informed choices. So definitely educate yourself. And what are some goals of yours for the future? I would love to get a thousand women in my tops from brighter day. I would love to help um, people going through cancer who have medical devices like chest ports and pick lines so that they can feel comfortable through their treatment. I would love to also provide gift packs for people to give their friend. So it gives it that tangible sort of gift that they can go, oh, I've just had this diagnosis or my friends just had this diagnosis and I would love to be able to provide this really helpful thing. So I'm working with a couple of other businesses and we're going to eventually get to a point where we can create this beautiful gift pack that will have everything that they need to either go through chemo or surgery or radiation. What a great idea. Well, hopefully a few listeners today can help advance you hitting a 1,000 women. Jane, thank you so much for coming on Extra Healthy-ish. Thank you. Whenever I interview someone like Jane, and I'm sure you feel the same way when you listen to stories like hers, you just, oh, my heart breaks, it hurts, but then I come off feeling so inspired, inspired by what she's doing to help other people going through similar treatments as hers. I will leave links to The Brighter Day in the show notes and you can go on there and check out her fashion range. 
If you do want more from us at Body and Soul, there are plenty other episodes of Extra Healthy-ish or you can jump online, bodyandsoul.com.au, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or TikTok. Anyway, thank you for listening to this one. And if you have a moment, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. And until tomorrow, stay Extra Healthy-ish. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winder? (laughs) Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.